0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary and my patron peeps. I wonder if there was ever a spinoff of the show this old house, this old boat. Uh, I'm serious like I'm serious like I don't know. It would make sense. If there isn't, uh, who has the rights to this old house? Let's get it going. This old boat. Uh, thanks patrons. Is create a safe place where you could step, set aside whatever's keeping you awake, uh, whether it's uh, thoughts or feelings or physical sensations. So things on your mind, maybe from the past, the present, or the future, or that are just you know they're popping up. Uh, uh, it could be physical sensations. It could be emotions or feelings. It could be a change in your schedule or your routine. Or your work, or you maybe just work a second or third shift, or one of the many other shifts I've invented. Whatever it is, it sounds like you're here because you need some company in the deep dark night, and that's really what I'm here for. I'm here to keep you company. I'm so glad you're here, and to take your mind off of stuff while you fall asleep. And so what I'm trying to establish, I guess, is a safe place where you don't need, where you feel comfortable enough not to listen to me. And believe me, if you listen to me for more than five minutes, you say, oh, wait, you're right. I don't really need to. And I'd say it's fine because your first reaction might be, well, he's, he's not making any sense. Should I listen till he starts? me And I say, no, no, no need to listen to me at all. You can listen. So here's the thing. I got this safe place. I'm going to smooth it. I'm going to pad it. I'm going to rub it down. Then I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. Creaky, dulcet tones a little bit different than what you expect. Uh, They they may take some getting used to, but for for the regular listeners, they say, okay, I did need something a little bit different. And you say, Scoots, uh, you're more than a little bit different. And I'd say, yeah, aren't we all? Oh, so shall we all, or whatever they so say we all are a little bit different, and that's so good. I also, you pointless meanders, superfluous tangents. It means I'm going to get mixed up, I'm going to use filler words, go off topic, keep rambling get lost in my own circu- ovular logic. They called it circuitous logic, but I said, mine's more ovular or ellipsis. Like I say, is that an ellipsis? Did my brain just go in an ellipsis? And they say, no, When I think that was an eclipse. I'd say hardy hard hard brain. So if you're new, I want to give you some information up front because it's my job to kind of earn your trust and to make you feel comfortable. So if you're doubtful or skeptical, first thing first, that's totally normal and and should be expected. I'd say bravo because you've probably been tossing and turning and tried other stuff. And, you know, like uh, it's vulnerable listening to a sleep podcast Now, I will tell you, this podcast does not work for everybody, probably doesn't even work for the majority of people that try it, but I really do hope it works for you. There are a lot of other sleep podcasts you could check out at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash no thank you. But I can tell you, I've been doing this show, but but when I record this, over I've recorded over a thousand episodes and... Uh, most listeners that became regular listeners over the years, since 2013, there's people that have been listening that whole time. They said, yeah, it took two or three tries for me to get used to you. Or it took me listening once, strongly disliking the podcast, coming back a few months later, giving it another try. So just kind of see how it goes. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's one thing. And, and we say, well, that's, that's really a way to sell your podcast. They say, well, it's the truth, Right but there's even more stuff you probably want to know if you're new and if you're a regular listener what up uh how about that we we this was supposed to be a one kind of episode and now we're going to talk about old boats maybe i don't even know will will this be a personal essay style episode or what am i going to be talking about so okay so the um oh, but, oh so if you're new though Oh, What are other things you know? One, I make this show for two reasons. I've been there, tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep. I got all of those, and I know how it feels there in the deep, dark night. So that's the first part. The second thing is that you deserve a good night's sleep. Your sleep is important, and you deserve a place you could rest in a bedtime that you don't dread, a bedtime that you feel neutral about you say well at least i got that sleep podcast to listen to he'll be goofing around and he, he how did he miss that the name how did he not see the maybe he didn't watch the post credits credits post credits uh scene on falcon and winter soldier to see the boat out in the ocean but you know or maybe i don't know but so oh what was my point oh <laughs> you deserve a good night's sleep uh And if you can get the sleep you need, maybe you could, you know, your life's a little bit easier. Maybe you're a little bit more engaged. Maybe you can be in a place where you could flourish. And if your life's better, everybody's life's better. It's just a real fact. Some people dismiss that. But uh, if your life's a little bit better, if you're a little bit rested, our world really is a better place. So that's why I make the show. Uh, other things to know if you're new that really throw new listeners off. Oh, the pod, this is a podcast you don't really listen to. You just kind of barely pay attention to it. That can be really hard at first to kind of passively listen to someone rambling and you may, might be wondering when does it get started or where is this thing going? I'd say, well, it's not going anywhere and it already started, already started and stopped a few times. So just kind of consume it like you would if you were looking at clouds or listening to something in the back, like, uh, I don't know, for me, it's like sports, uh, you see, uh, like sometimes, uh, not recently, but I want to start putting baseball on again and not paying attention. I gotta, I gotta start listening to baseball in the background again so I can not pay attention, but it soothes me or train videos on YouTube. But during the day I need a lot of soothing and, uh, that was one thing I was using in, in, in uh, late 2020 and early 2021. So this podcast is kind of like that. Something to have in the background to keep you company. It also does not put you to sleep. It keeps you company while you drift off. I take your mind off stuff. That's why the episodes are over an hour, so you have plenty of time to fall asleep. And if you can't sleep, I'm here. My job is to keep you company whether you're listening or not. So if you're listening and you need me, I'm going to be here too. I don't even know what I'll be talking about, but I'll be present here for you because that's important. That's really the whole show. Uh, other things, if you're new, they can throw you off uh, is the structure of the show and the show structured very intentionally, uh, to meet our goals, to, to help as many people to be there for free twice a week and, uh, to kind of help ease people into bedtime. So the show starts off with a greeting, so you feel welcome and seen. Then there's listener support. Then there's sponsors and support for the show. That's how we put it out twice a week. Then there's the intro. The intro is usually... I've been trying to get them in around 12 minutes, but they always seem to go a bit longer. So the intro is between 10 and 20 minutes long. And the intro is really a show within a show to ease you into bedtime, so you could start winding down. And you can, as you become a regular listener, you can kind of figure out what works best for you. But what works for getting used to the show is, like, if the first few times is maybe putting the show on as you're getting ready for bed or as you're doing something, wind-down activity, even if it's making your bed or... Drawing or you know looking through a magazine, I don't know. People like I don't know. People don't do that anymore, but you know knitting or or just sitting around chilling, and that. So the intro just gives you a little bit of distance from the day, and I don't know. Regular listeners, there's a small percentage of people that skip the intros. And there's this percentage of listeners that fall asleep during the intros. But for the most part, the listeners are either in bed getting comfortable or doing something else to chill out and wind down. So that's uh, the, why the intro is like 10 to 20 minutes long. The, 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 the variety is just my inability to be concise and to go on rambles. You never know. I say, well, I could plan out 10 minutes and talk for 25 and that, that kind of serves the purpose of the show. That's where my natural skill set comes in of not being able to get to the point. So that's the intro. Then there's business between the intro and the show. Those are the sponsors that enable us to be here for you for twice a week for free. Then there'll be a story. Tonight, I guess it'll be a story about this old boat. Uh, I don't know if it'll be this old boat or this old boat because I haven't recorded it yet, but I'm excited now. I don't know, like, uh, Bob v, v, v. Oh, I can't even say it. Bob V. You see, those are words I can't pronounce. Via, right? Bob via. Via, like, blah, blah. Bob via. I don't think, I don't think v, v, v. people would say villa, but it's Bob v. Vila. Vila? I don't know. Bob via. Well, So uh, I I thought that would be easier for me to say, but apparently my mouth can't say it. So that's easy to avoid. (laughs) I said we'll probably be overusing that term, but not if we can't say it. So we'll talk about that, and then there's some dankies at the end of the show. So that's how the show works. That's why it's here for you. And that's kind of what you expect. You're just rambling in a friendly voice in the deep, dark night to keep you company, take your mind off stuff. I'm really glad you're here. I really work hard on this show. I yearn and I strive. I really want to help you fall asleep. Uh, and these are the ways I'm able to be here for you for free twice a week. All right, everybody. This is Scoots here. This, is a new, this, is a, this came up in the intro. I did not expect this. Uh, but this is an episode that'll be called This Old Boat. And even as I've been saying to myself for the past, I said, what is uh, this going to be about? And I say, I don't know. But there is a show that I didn't really watch. I, I saw it was satir- sat, 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 satirized uh, as a kid. It looks like it's still on on, on the air I'm going to read the Wikipedia article about it. It looks like it has a new cast. Uh, When I was a kid, it was known it's the show was called This Old House, and Bob Villa was on it. V I L L A. And Bob Villa slowly, it was like when it was PBS, it was like like similar to Rick Steves, but. uh, it was this old house. Bob Villa was on it. I think at some point, like Bob Villa had like true, was doing ads for True Value and had like Bob Villa brand stuff at True Value. But oh wow, Bob Vila hasn't presented it since 1989. Then it was Steve Thomas from 89 to 2003. Kevin O'Connor 2003 to present, and different stars of the show. I honestly have never. I've never owned a house, so I've never really watched The House. In my entire adult life, I've never even, like, uh, really realistically thought about owning a house. I mean, like, even kind uh, of—I've always lived in the Bay Area, so it's just been something I've been like, well, it's probably just not for me. I mean, if I lived somewhere, like, uh, that wasn't a major metropolitan area, I might think about it. But even for me, I just, like, personally, like— I don't know, I tend to, to be contrarian about stuff you're supposed to grow up and do. So that was another thing where I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to own a house. And then living in the Bay Area, it's just something, it's a little just a different area where you're, you're, uh... I'm like, eh, I don't know, that's too much, comes with too much. But let's read about this old house, since I don't know anything about it, really. Oh, it had a sister series. It wasn't called This Old Boat, but this old house had a sister series. Ask the, this old house, uh... They were often broadcast together as this, the This Old House Hour or the New This Old House Hour. They were underwritten by GMC and the Home Depot and Lumber Distributor. Uh, the, it, Weyerhauser, Weyerhauser? Uh, they were, built, were paying a million a year as an underwriter. Also, you know, insurance companies, different things under underwritten the show. The third series was Inside This Old House, so know this old boat, but soon, I mean, reach out. You could borrow the name from me, Uh, The Renovation Guide on the Learning Channel. The classics are still carried on commercial, on the DIY network, and syndicate. It was one of the earliest home improvement shows. We're not going to do a recap of this old house, I'm just... uh, it started as a one-time 13-part series on WGBH, uh, and it grew as one of the more. Pro- it was. It's produced spinoffs, New Yankee Workshop, 17 Emmys, and 82 nominations. Uh, there was a, the one. Their first two projects were in uh, Dorchester and Newton, and it was always focused on renovating older homes, including those of modest size and value. Oh, with the same sweat equity kind of thing that they use in a lot of the shows. These are shows, I mean, I don't have anything against these shows. It's just not my thing. Like, uh, but I do watch them on people, other people's screens on airplanes. I tend to watch a lot of that, like Property Brothers on airplanes. But uh, when other people are watching it, is that the show? Property Brothers, I think. But that goes for other genre shows. Shark Tank, I've never seen it, and there's other shows like that. Uh, I did watch one episode of Shark Tank recently. I think that's by accident. I don't even know how I accidentally watched that, but, uh, but usually I watch those on airplanes as well while other people are watching it. Uh, I watched one. It wasn't Shark Tank, but it was something like it where they – this was like four years ago. And they, then I w- started watching it because it was on demand on the plane because they were working with key lime pies. Anyway, shows you watch on airplanes, <laughs> watch other people watching. Uh, oh, yeah, Bob Villa started his uh, competing show uh, because he was making commercials. Uh, oh, uh, that weren't, you know, in weren't working with the underwriters. You know, it's tough. It's tough being a content creator. But during V's tenure, there was 11 million viewers. Uh, uh, let's see. Then Kevin O'Connor. Um, anyway, I don't know. There's a lot about it, but I think that's the most important thing was that uh, that it was just a show. So then I was thinking during <laughs> the the only important part was that it was about fixing up old houses. So then I thought of like uh, this old boat, like I said, and I said, well, there's probably, I mean, here's the thing. I don't know anything, I don't, I don't know anything about fixing stuff or remodeling stuff. I mean, for me, remodeling would be like getting enough stuff off the floor to vacuum. That's like a remo that's like a heavy duty sweat equity remodel where I live. But it got me thinking this old boat sounds nice. That sounds like a show I would probably not watch either. And then I thought, you know, I thought of uh, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier because they were working on an old boat, and I enjoy I enjoyed that too. Though I did again, I think I said it maybe in the intro or intro of another episode. I would have liked to see those two or or the whole fam out on the boat on the water. Uh, look like at that cut of the episode. So anyway, if you want, you know, if you want, if you want to put me in touch with whoever's in charge, of, oh, Malcolm Spellman is in charge of it. Uh, one of the, one of the, one of the, the great uh, TV show runners and uh, guests of, uh, uh, script notes podcast, script notes, not scrib notes. That's enough. That's a different podcast. But, uh, so what was my point? So, okay. So I was thinking about this old boat, right? And I had a couple days to think about it since the intro, because I said, well, what would we do it about? And then I said, part of me was like, oh, let's do something fantastical. But then I said, well, we could do like a personal essay style one and see where it goes because of the boats, like the boats that I've encountered in my life. Uh, and I, and then I started thinking about it. I said, okay, so let's start with, uh, we've never been a big boat family But when I, after I said that to myself, then I started thinking about the boats in our lives. These are the boats of our lives, like uh, boats on an hourglass lake. And those are all old boats. So I said, okay, this old boats, these are the boats of my past. And we will have to go with a broad definition of boats, um, if that's okay with everybody, which I think hopefully it is. and we'll take, a, we'll take a little journey here. And there'll probably be other boats that bob right up out of my subconscious. And I think the boats should be split, at least initially, into what I can remember and particular lakes. And I guess you can't really talk about Syracuse, Central New York uh, lakes without talking about Onondaga Lake, which hopefully one day I will take a boat out on. When I was a kid... Onondaga Lake, you couldn't go, you, you could walk on the shore of it. But it's this really big lake in the city of Syracuse. Um, or I guess maybe part of it is in Salve in North Syracuse. But I, I don't know, I don't think I've been on a boat on uh, Onondaga Lake. and But I think you can go on a boat on Onondaga Lake now. So that's Lake One. It just thought of another boat story. So hopefully we'll get to Skinny Atlas Lake because I have two boats I encountered there. And those would be in my uh, middle school, 6th grade, or 5th, 6th grade to high school years. But let's go further back, you know, to to Elementary Grammar School. So we're going with Oneida Lake. Uh, Is that right? Is that the name of the lake? Oneida Lake. Now, Oneida Lake runs kind of along the New York State Thruway, and it's a bigger lake. It's still very close to the city of Syracuse. On on the outskirts of Brewerton is a lake, um, not very sure about directions, northwestern or northeastern edge of the lake. And this lake was a big part of my childhood and just a few boats uh, that we encountered, or floating things. So we'll talk about this. So, Oneida Lake, my dad has one best friend. His name is Richard Dick. Uh, he goes by Dick, Dick and Ann. And uh, Dick and uh, his father, when I was a little kid, would normally have a boat, Uh and once a year in a oh, motorboat, like a boat you see, not like a yacht, Never, no yachts in this story, but like the kind of boat you take out on that you would go fishing or water skiing on. Not that there was any water skiing, though there were, I would always fantasize about it until eventually I did, but uh, I didn't need to anymore. But, um, so w that was my, those are my first memories of being in a boat with an engine that I can remember are these times. And I guess they're treasured, they're lightly treasured memories. You wouldn't say they're formative memories, but I say, oh, when I think about motorboats, I think about, uh, I guess you would call him Uncle Dick or God, he's my godfather, actually. So my godfather, Dick, and he he would take us out in these boats, and it would be nice. We'd just take a little tour, and he, I believe, most of the time, his boat was parked somewhere near Brewerton, New York, on the Erie Canal, which I think Oneida Lake is a part of the Erie Canal system. So I'm thinking that the Erie Canal goes in one end of the Oneida Lake, and then you would traverse Oneida Lake and then rejoin for the last stretch from Oneida Lake to Lake Ontario, which nowadays has been, I think, is slowly being revitalized. Like you could kayak or boat, pleasure boat from Oneida Lake to Lake Ontario. And again, I mean, those of us with, uh, you know, with uh, looking back with 2020 vision say, man, uh, any of that Erie Canal that got filled in, what a, you know, that's like, uh, Let's dig that. It can't. You can't dig it up in certain places because it's like downtowns of towns and cities are over it. But oh boy, the recreational possibilities if the entire Erie Canal was still open. But let's not quibble. Let's not quibble. So I mean, I guess I just did. But so, so boat rides and all. I remember is you know it was a motorboat. It felt cool. It was a nice boat. And Dick would probably go fast every once in a while. And it was something kind of we did once a year on a yearly basis. Felt like a little special trip. Now, I'm not, the only reason I pause is because I think that uh, they lived in in Canastota, which I think is in another lake. So I could have my lakes mixed up, but I can kind of picture Brewerton. There's a bridge that goes over where the Erie Canal meets uh, Lake Oneida Lake. But so that's one old boat. that was probably of all the boats, that's probably the newest boat uh that we'll encounter, and I guess it was a, maybe it was one boat, maybe it was a variety of boats, I don't know. So that's boat one. Now boat two and three. These ones you'd say scooch you're kind of grasping at boating straws, and I'd say, Well, that's what we're here for, correct? Uh and hopefully now I just revisited this to see how much of my dreams well I revisited this in 2019 hopefully in 2020 2021 after or no yeah 2021 but it hasn't come yet I will have a chance to revisit this location So uh, Oneida Lake has an area called Sylvan Beach, and it also has a Verona Beach, uh, or the two kind of beach areas where you would rent a cottage. And that's where we went for—now, my family, there were six kids in my family. At other times, there was five kids, then four kids, then three kids. And so for vacation every summer, my parents would rent a cottage on Oneida Lake. I talked about it in other times and we would stay at this cottage and, and the our cottage was next door to the people that owned the cottage where they lived full time and i don't want to say their last name but i and also i say do i remember it or not but i mean i do remember jj was the older one of the older brothers he was never wore a shirt always had long hair and he played the drums pretty much you know was like not, didn't even give me a time of day But I said, one day, I'd like to be like J.J., and at least I achieved that mostly in the summertime by trying to wear a shirt on as little basis as I can. Don't play the drums. I guess my hair's kind of long now, but J.J., I think, had curly hair. And then J.J.'s brother that was my age was named Critter, or Chris. And we had friend thing going uh, on and off, uh, and... And then my brother, Carl, and Sheila are just two years younger than me. So so we'd go to Sylvan Beach every year for about a week, I think. Maybe it was longer. Usually my dad, like sometimes he was working still, so he could still commute to work uh, since it was close enough to Syracuse. Even though for a little kid, it felt like it was four hours away. I think it's like 45 minutes or an hour. And we went there... Like, that was a big part of my childhood it was that week or two weeks we went there in the summer and rented that place. And I have so many memories in there. But of of the boat variety, I, I have two. Now, this was back in the 80s, so I don't know how much my parents were paying for this cottage. But it was like, these are the kind of things that... uh you wish you like like that were are, are gems. Like, I have no idea. This was right on the beach. It had, like, a grass and a seawall and then a sandy beach. Now, there was one thing about Sylvan Beach still exists, which is, like, the swamp uh, be- between the beach and the swimmable water. So maybe that, like, lowered home values. But to have, like, a cottage on the beach is, like, that's, like, a lot of people's dreams. Now I did talk about this in other stories, but like you, so it had this beautiful beach, probably a manufactured beach, but I don't know because actually the swamp uh, would keep the I guess probably protected the beach, and I don't I don't know nothing about agriculture aquaculture or anything, but so this this cottage uh, had like a little bit of a grass, then the seawall. And then the beach, and you could sit on the beach. You could play. You could dig. You could dig all the way down to the water table, so you could have muddy sand, and it was awesome. But after the sand, you came to this area. We called it muck. We called it the muck. Uh, and for about ten now, now more like twenty-five feet uh, to to a hundred feet, there was just this. Uh, I guess, like, because of whatever the water and the, the sandbars, because there's a lot of sandbars, this whole lake has a sandy bottom. There was like an area of algic water. Uh, and it was very green, it was warm. And to a kid, you couldn't see to the bottom. So it's like very, you know, vested. And it was only ankle uh, to, uh, I think the deepest it got was probably like mid. Maybe it's your kids to your, like, top of your swimsuit, your shorts. But you would have to go through that muck, and then you would get to clear, beautiful swimming water. So well, that was always a part of it, was like, do you run through it? And I, I started to have, like, I would imagine, like, I don't know, it's a sleep podcast, but I didn't imagine anything that, like, any, any antagonists in there. Just fish. I I don't know. That was just one of the things I would overthink of. But so even my mom had a lot of siblings. Sometimes they would try to make like a sand bridge through the muck, but then, you know, the weather would change and it would get washed away. So it was always like a question of would you run through it or would you swim, you know, run through it or walk through it, trudge through it. And I guess with little kids, you know, they all have their little quirks. I could see that being like, don't you want to go? No, I don't want to go swimming because I don't want to go through the muck. Uh and I don't know, beautiful thing is it's like a shared memory with some of, not my youngest siblings because they were too young. But so you would traverse the muck and then you would get into this all gorgeous water, like beautiful water, like a very sandy bottom, clear water, the the w- w- wave action, never had big waves again because they weren't crashing on the shore, but some good, you know, water motion. And then there usually be a couple sandbars sandbars uh, like you could discover as you were like, you know, just playing around. Like, especially I was a little kid. So then my older cousins or aunts and uncles, they'd be like, they'd go out deeper and they'd be like, hey, there's a sandbar all the way out here. So you'd go out there. And I don't. So out, but out there uh, on the stretch of shore we were on. Uh, and I don't know who owned it. I don't know if it was the people that owned the cottage that we were staying at or it was someone else. There was always a dock out there. Or a, but I always associate docks now with something latched to the shore. So you could call this a raft. It was a wooden uh, square, and I think it was painted red. So it was sanded. It was painted Maybe at one point it was painted green and it got painted red. This is my vague memories. And it had an anchor, so it was anchored to the ground. And I don't know what was making it float, like uh, barrels or something. And it was very, uh, it was big. I would say, like, it was big enough for for if you were adults, like three or four adults could go out there and lie next to one another in, in sun. But most, and, and all it was was a big square, wood planks. There was probably a ladder to get out of the water, but usually you just push yourself up on it. It was fairly stable. Uh, and mostly you just all you did was go out there and jump off. And because it was sandy bottom, I mean, you would make sure. I never thought about moving it or, or who owned it or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, a couple of, you know, things where you wanted to make sure you didn't jump on the side with the anchor rope. Uh, so you wanted to know where the anchor rope was all the time. And, yeah, you would jump off. My dad did uh, tell me that that's, like, one of the places I learned to swim. And that was, like, a, like a, very much like movies. If you were old enough to swim out to the dock uh, without help, and then you were, like, we we took swimming lessons at the public pool in Burnett and Park in Syracuse, New York. That's where I technically learned to swim, or Onondaga Park. You know, I guess partially, maybe, I, well, Burnett Park and Onondaga Park, the same thing. No. So I guess I took lessons at both of those parks. Yeah, you're right. Those are two different parks. Onondaga Lake Park uh, and uh, so the for, for Syracuse Parks and Rec is how I really learned to swim. But so that raft was, uh, that was my first, I mean, that was one of our first boats. Uh, and yeah, we just spent a lot of time out there uh, jumping on and off and hanging out. And the older kids would be there, like my cousin, older cousins or older aunts and uncles. And I don't know, that was just a boat. Like, it, and there's not too much else to say about it. I mean, talk about lo- how lucky I am to have an, archo- like, that's an archety- arch- archetypal thing, to have a raft uh, that I got to experience. Like I'm really grateful for that. And nowadays they have similar stuff that's inflatable. Like you can get one of those inflatable islands or like even a giant foam pad. The difference of those things is you can't anchor it. Uh and it's not made of wood, but it like what like it, ha- it can't really have it on a lake that gets a lot of waves or action. Like this was a fairly calm lake in the summer. And I don't know if in the winter they just left it out there and it froze or they brought it in. So that was one thing. But also another reason why this is such a treasured memory is that uh, within walking distance, and I would say a 20-minute walking distance from where we rented our our, our cottage uh, towards the town of Sylvan Beach, and I guess, it, like, I missed it, luckily, like, as a young adult. I guess this town of Sylvan Beach had a, quite a reputation as, like, a rowdy town. I don't know if it still does. Like, if you're between the ages of, you know, 18 and, and 35, uh, to really go and blow off steam. But I was never—I never went there for that. Uh, but so, there. So if you, if you headed towards the town of Sylvan Beach, this— besides those establishments where people would go blow off steam, I guess there's like a diner. well, I don't guess and I forget the name of it. I think it's like uh, named after a gentleman or something. and we ate there in nineteen in 2019 when I forced my family to go there. I forced my I begged my daughter and then we begged her grandparents and I said, I'll drive all both ways. We got to go there. I have so many dreams and memories about this place. I got to do research, and it ended up that I didn't do enough research before we left. But you'll hear about that in a second. But so there is this famous diner, and they had they're famous for their cream pies. So we did have a good banana cream pie and a coconut cream pie there, maybe even a chocolate cream pie, at this diner. And I think as a kid, we, we really didn't eat out much so because we had six kids. So I don't know if we maybe we ate there once or twice. But what it was more also known for is it had a small amuse I guess you'd call it an amusement park, but that's a little bit glamorous uh, to call it an amusement park. But uh, as a kid, it did not, it seemed like the greatest place in the world, and it had a um, a playland. What do you call that with the rubber balls game? Funco. No, it has a, like a. It's a game where you roll the balls. You try to get them in a row. They had one in San Francisco for a long time on Market Street. that closed down. But I don't know. It's like a fair game where you can wear pri- win prizes. We would play that game. And they had other games that were not. Uh, Like that game, at least you had a chance to win, right? Uh, you're just competing against other kids and adults playing, but they had other games, you know, that, you know, with shooting the basketball or whatever uh, that we didn't play, but we definitely played that game. Oh, I almost remembered it and then I forgot it, but, uh, and then they had a, um, a, what do you call it? The ride, like one of those rides, like, um, where you get in and then you go and you have surprises uh evening surprise ride uh that i talked about and that one's still there and to be honest as a kid you would want to go on it i think you'd pay you we would get to go down there every once in a while because you know you have to pay for everything and we would go on that ride it didn't have it was not exactly uh what are those rides called i talked about it on the uh Mute girl from amusement park but, oh pretzel ride uh and it was not exactly enthralling, but they had that. Then they had a fun slide, like the kind you see at a street fair nowadays. And sometimes we'd get to do that. But that one wasn't good, exactly if if you had like five dollars to spend, you usually would try to go on you wouldn't use it on the fun slide because you say, Well, that's a dollar like to go down three level slide. I could just go on a slide at a playground like three times in a row. So they had that. They had uh, the bob sled spinning around, go fast ride, which probably we would do. And maybe they added that on at one time. They had a fun house, uh, and then like uh, some stuff they lost. Uh, like in the fun house, it w- like that was pretty cool. Like I remember that would be a highlight, and maybe it was more expensive because I don't remember doing it more than once. A year, but it like had the thing you go through the, the spinning like uh, room and the mirrors and stuff, uh and then I think they also had a more advanced uh evening adventure house, a house of evening adventures around the house like that was open all the time, but you know, themed towards the ha- ha- Halloween season and I don't know if we ever went to that, but I thought, like, that one ended up, they, they like, that one went away, too. But, st- so, the pretzel ride, the fun slide is still there. The bobs are still there. Maybe they had a small, like, a tiny Ferris wheel. They had food and drinks, so I, I don't, but I don't ever remember eating food or drink there. And then they had a couple of kiddie rides. And, and so, at first, we went there for the kiddie rides, and there was a motor, like a kiddie ride where you got to ride like a fake motorcycle that was just attached. You know, it was, it was all like, it just went in a circle, it was attached to, you know, there was like two motorcycles. It was like basically a carousel. And then they had one that was a boat ride. So this is boat number three, this old boat. And the boats were painted in like blue and red and yellow colors. I think they were wooden. They even had like uh You could pretend you were like, even though it's just, you were sitting in a boat, I think it had a steering wheel and maybe like a little, um, like a, a finger cannon with a sound effect, but it was just a carousel ride. I think they also had that same version of that ride in a plane version. So that was boat number three. And so, oh, so in 2019, I went there and I said, please, can we go there? I think I was begging for a while. And there was one day where it wasn't raining and I got my you know I broke my parents down. I said, please, can we just drive there? It will drive both ways. I'll pay for the gas, you know please, please, please. So the day I didn't happen to check the website and because you know this was even in 2019, they were only open. the like amusement park thing was only open like on the weekends or something. Uh, so hopefully I'll return and get to ride some of the rides. I mean, that's on my goals, uh, hashtag dream big, you know, but it is cool. I mean, I, and again, I really feel great, great, grat- full gratitude that, uh, some of the stuff still exists in some manner for me to go exploring and to bring my daughter along. Cause it's not so much nostalgia for me as like an investigation into reality. I don't know if you ever feel that way. But it's not like, oh, boy, I want to go and have my daughter ride that same boat I rode. I just am like, uh, I guess it's like where the simulation thing, it's like, was any of that real? What does it look like now? And I don't know, I have fun with like that when you see something you were at and it looks different, but something looks similar. I don't know. I like doing that kind of stuff. Fascination. Is that what it was called? Those ball rolling rides? I think so. Those are called fascination parlors. So that's one round of uh, of uh, boats. Now, this one's more embarrassing. I've talked about this on the show before, but it's been a while. So there's uh, the Finger Lakes are famous in, in, in New York State, right? And, uh, you know, we the Finger Lakes are a bit more, I don't know, like... Uh, If all the Finger Lakes are expensive, but like they can be more expensive. So we never rented a house there. They're also colder, the water. And I think they have more full-time residents. But so I did get to go in a boat. I'm going to jump ahead to high school because my friend Marnie had a boat and they had a house on Skinny Atlas Lake. And one time her dad tried to teach me to, uh, I think we were in high school. He wanted me to learn how to uh, water ski. And I could not get it, get it. Like, and he kept trying and trying. We were trying, it felt like we were trying for hours. He's like, don't pull, you know, just let the ball pull you or whatever. And every time I'd go down and we must have tried and, and I just couldn't do it. Later in life, I did a, I did eventually get it. Uh, oh, when I was in college, actually Casey in Rochester, I was able to water ski. Um, so I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just a, like, uh. But I still appreciate how hard uh, he tried to teach me how to water ski, even though it was unsuccessful. And you've heard, so maybe you've heard me talk about this. So I only went to summer camp once. Uh, Now, my sister worked at a summer camp. I don't know if that, what lake that was on. She worked at a 4-H summer camp. And so some of my younger siblings got to go to that camp uh, while she was working there or before or after. And there's a summer camp now. When I found out how much these summer camps cost, uh, this was in 2018. I said, "Holy cow!" Like, and and again, it might just be. It was so inexpensive that I was like, "Are you sure that's really the price for a week to send a kid to summer camp?" But I think part of it is being in the Bay Area and becoming a little, you're you're. But but so for one one week, I went to summer camp. when I was in. I think it was between fifth and sixth grade, but it could have been between sixth and seventh grade. And it was already, what's amazing is I was already the person I am today, even back then. I mean, you know, different, but I was very introverted. I was able to make friends, but I was ne- like, uh, I struggled with the same things I struggle with today. Like, uh, so I think that's always interesting to me. At the time, my best friend's name was Bo. And I think my sister and my brother also went at the same time, but we were separated by ages into cabins. And my brother Carl says that I was in the honor cabin. But I don't know what that means exactly. Like, uh, like I don't know if we always kept our cabin the cleanest or something. And that was a bit like the movies, but before I went, I'd watched this one movie with Bo over and over again about summer camp. So I had an incredibly uh, fictional version of what summer camp was like. So, of course, it did not meet my expectations because I was expecting it to be like in the movies. But, like, uh, it still was a great experience, and I appreciate my parents doing it. But one of the things, uh, and this I talked about, but this is also about experience, so we were on the older end of kids. Like, probably you don't go to summer camp once you hit seventh grade or something. I don't know what the year is, the cutoff age. But uh, so Bo and I were some of the older kids. So I remember when you got there, you know, your parents drop you off, they leave. At some point on the first day or day and a half, you'd have to take a swim test or so that you say, okay. And even then, swimming lessons were like a part of it. But if you wanted to be able to take out a canoe... You had to, to to pass a swimming test, obviously, because I wanted to make sure you could swim, even though you wore ja- life jackets and everything. And I remember taking the swim test because the only swimming uh, stroke I struggle with, which some reason to become an advanced swimmer in the eyes of New York State or Onondaga County, you had to do the side stroke. That was the only stroke I could not get down. And I don't mean to brag, but I mean, like, as far as uh, freestyle or backstroke, I mean, I could swim, you know, I'm really like... Uh, it's been something I've always been adept at, but so we passed. Bo and I passed our uh, tests, and then it was like one of the day, one of the early days, maybe even the first day. I think it was probably the first day because, of course, this, uh, you know, with you know, I am who I am, it affected me for a few days. You could take out a canoe, and maybe yeah, because it was the first day, there wasn't any structured activity because it was like Saturday or Sunday. So, but it was probably Bo. I don't know if it was Bo's idea or my idea, but we were like, wait, let's take a canoe out. So you go to the canoe and check in. You say, okay, got your swimming. Okay, you passed your swimming test. Great. Okay, if you used your canoe before, I said we. I was like, like, uh, what do I look like? Uh, and they said, okay, so you know how to paddle a canoe. And maybe Bo didn't was just getting roped on. And it's like, yeah, yeah, hey, buddy, I've been paddling canoes since before, you know, before I was uh, you know, but, but do paddling in the water. Like, uh, give us a paddle, give us a boat, see you later. Turns out paddling a canoe in a lake is not exactly what uh, young scoots thought it was. And so they had a lot of rules, like, because there was kids, they had like a free swim and they had swimming lessons where they were given those swimming tests. And there was like a big thing, like a, like whatever a line with the buoys and stuff and the boats were never supposed to go in there because you could bump into somebody that was swimming. And I think Bo and I paddled like for about four paddles before I, like I was probably in the back. We lost total control of the canoe got hit by the wind, you know, and then went right into the swimming area. And then the, all the lifeguards are, like, blowing their whistles and saying, hey, now!" I didn't realize at the time these are, like, high school and college kids. You know, to me, these are, like, gods and goddesses. And someone had to, like, dive in and push our boat, and they are like, it's it, you know, no more canoeing for you two. So that was another boat where I was like, okay, that's it for me in canoes. And for a while, that was it for me in canoes. for the most part. I said, I wonder if this really was a formative experience. So I said, yeah, canoeing is not for me. Because yeah, I didn't canoe again for a while. So that was those. But that was the that was the lake Skinny Atlas. Uh, and the only other things I remember about that is like playing four square once. Uh, I would get a chocolate éclair, not a chocolate éclair thing, but you know those like. Uh, popsicles that are called chocolate eclairs have the crunchy stuff on the outside you could get a strawberry or chocolate one and they had a canteen that's what i got every night with my canteen money like probably was like whatever 25 or 50 cents that was my nightly treat uh and uh yeah, mostly, I, like, I found myself, like, like Bo was a little bit more easygoing and, like, extroverted. But a lot of times I found myself just walking around, you know, solo, in between making boondoggles. I don't even know what else you would do it. uh... I just remember walking around a lot and eating. And I think of, like, heavy oatmeal. Okay, so that was Skinny Atlas. Like, then we go to Lake Ontario... Old Lake Terry. And at some point, my, my my mom and my dad and my aunt and my uncle, so my aunt and my uncle have three kids, uh, John, Betsy, and Abby, and then my parents have six kids. And my dad knew some, oh, yeah, Miss, Miss, uh, Norm. My dad had a friend, Norm. Actually, Norm had a boat, too. So this is a little, maybe no, we would go out on a boat with Norm, too and actually one of his daughters became was one of our, was our second babysitter regular babysitter sarah and so norm he he had, he he lived up on lake ontario so we'd go go up there for a barbecue once a year and i think he had a boat and we'd go on his boat but the area he was in in lake ontario at some point um And again, you think about how things have changed, I guess. Uh, Like my parents and my aunt and uncle, like one of the places near norms, like a cabin, went up for sale and they bought it. They like put their money together and they bought this thing. And I think whatever the price was at this point, I say, wait a second, you can't even like, uh, it's like less than a year's rent in the Bay Area to buy a cabin on a lake. But so they bought this place and we would go up there and it, like, it was like, uh, although there was like a small upstairs and it would be packed with bunk beds cause there were so many kids and I don't know how the adults figured out. I, I guess I wonder where all the adults slept, but, um, never thought about that till just just now. Cause downstairs there's only like one bedroom. I'll have to ask my parents about that. Um, so huh, I'm really confused. Uh. Maybe there was another area made into a bedroom. So we shared this little cabin and eventually like uh, then another place went up to rent. It was such a deal. Like I don't I don't know, then, then they had a the another they had another cabin or they were going we were gonna rent one out or something. I don't remember. I was just a kid. Like uh but I was like uh, whatever. This was like when I was in seventh grade and eighth grade. And then, so, because we, now my parents, like I said, we're not really boat people, but my uncle, Ed, he had a canoe, an old-town canoe, a red old-town canoe that he loved. And then my dad bought an used aluminum rowboat, and I think it was an aluminum craft. I mean, I think these things could last for like a 100 years but at some point he bought a nut, like he bought one that seems even older, but this was just like your basic aluminum rowboat, right, with uh, oars. And at some point he bought a motor for it, but we weren't allowed to use a motor. And I think when I'm thinking of this time, like uh, it didn't, um, I think like you had to be, like my dad eyes, you had to be like 16 and past your driving to, to even use a outboard hand-holding, you know, four horsepower outboard motor but you know I I am now I'm a parent I can understand but so we would take that but like so we had that rowboat and then we had the canoe and so some of our siblings were excluded from this cuz they were too little but we were allowed we oh we had taken boating safety lessons um at some point and We all had had swimming lessons and we all wore life jackets, but so we were allowed to take these. I guess now I'm like thinking about this. I'm like, this wouldn't fly with me as a parent. So my parents were much looser. But so we would take out the canoe and the rowboat, and of the group of us, it would be myself and my cousin John are the same age, my cousin Betsy. My cousin, my brother Carl, and my sister Sheila are all within a year of each other. So all of the five of us are within like a two year age range. I think my cousin Abby, my brother Dan and my brother Kenneth, they were like too little to be involved in boating. They had you know, they weren't at swimming, they weren't at swim then had swim lessons. And then my brother Ted, uh, who's like uh four you're five years younger than me. So we would all go out in these two boats and we would do something called boat W A R S S. Um, and normally, I guess this wasn't very fair either. It would be my sister Sheila, my brother Ted, and my cousin Betsy in the canoe. And then my brother Carl, my cousin John, and I in the rowboat. I mean, the rowboat was harder to row. And we would fill up buckets or, or like, those things, would have pails, like uh, sand pails, you know, that you used to play with sand, and the oars. Uh, and we would take the boats out, and then we'd try to chase each other around and then splash each other with this river water. This is on a river, not in Lake Ontario. And we would splash each other like giant buckets of water, like almost trying to fill up the canoe and, uh, every once in a while the canoe would flip and you could stand up or like somebody would fall out of the rowboat and it was just kind of a swampy river. So you, like if you stood up, uh, it was never super deep, but the first like two or three feet of the bottom of the river are, are like old leaves and stuff. I don't remember falling in, but I must have at least once, uh, but I definitely remember other people falling in and stuff like that. And then we, you know, like getting everybody out, but just like, and it must've been so loud. That's what I think about now as I guess as an adult. And I guess, cause like, if you like, uh, the way that all the cabins there are, like the river is just like, the sound just really carries there. And like, we were really loud kids. I mean, now when I go up there, I barely see any kids, uh, or I guess, my, you know, my, my daughter's with us and maybe my sister's kids or my brother's kids, but uh, I guess they're not quite as ramb- rambunctious as we were. And that was, like, a, like a really fun game. I don't know how—I I can't remember. I'll have to ask him if that was something we did regularly or we only did it once and it just seared itself in my memory. But uh, it was another boat, and I don't know if that boat had a name— but I really liked the original aluminum robot. It was very light uh, comparatively because now we have a little bit bigger one. And it had tight oar locks. Uh, and that's when things is unrela- like un underrated. And it was uh, not super wide. So even a teenage or, or middle schooler, it was still hard to row. Um, but now we have another aluminum robot. And it's a little bit bigger it has loose oar locks. And so rowing it, like, uh, it can, even for me as an adult, can be quite tiring because it's, uh, I don't know, it's pretty wide. I mean, not super wide. I mean, you're talking like three, a three bench rowboat. I think the other one was either a two bench or a one bench rowboat. So it's just harder to row. But then the last boat we had there was two boats that my parents had, which were, I guess, are they like, uh, they're not leg in kayaks. So I guess in, I've recorded on them is, uh, they have, do they have two kayaks? They're still up there. And I guess because I never went on a canoe uh, since my great, oh, and the old town canoe was a flat bottom canoe. And so I probably did take that out once or twice. Uh, but, uh. I don't know. I I never got into canoes. I don't know why I like kayaks and not canoes. But so my parents at some point, I don't know if they, this was when I didn't, was uh, living in California and not visiting them so often before I had a kid, you know, back when I was an independent young adult. Uh, but so at some point when I wasn't there, they got these kayaks, um, And I'm pretty sure they're the open sea kayak type. uh, Can't quite picture them, but they're not the kind you stick your legs into uh, all the way. Like you kind of sit on sit on top kayak. I guess that's what's called. And of course, my dad named my mom's uh, dream boat, so I always think about that as like that's like the only named boat that we've done so far. And I don't know if my dad's Dream dreamboat 2 or if the other one has a different name. But I always think about my mom. I think that's kind of cute, personally. Is that my not mom? My dad named my mom's boat Dreamboat, and they're very similar. And I usually take that out. Uh, well, I think in 2018, and maybe 2017 or 2016, I recorded episodes. The one of them may have been in like a rowboat. But it, it just because of the way we do make the show now, it wouldn't work. I can't record on location episodes just because of the way we distribute the show. It just would. It, it wouldn't. It would wouldn't sound good, and it just takes so much to, to make it sound good. But uh, yeah, I'd take those out, and uh, I, I do really like that. Uh, and then I guess a final boat I'll mention. Well, two things. Uh, I did, like, I did do an episode about this when we went down the wiki Wachi. I wonder what year that was. like 20, that was in the 2016, 15, maybe 17, but it couldn't have been later than that. It was when my dad was in a musical and uh, my mom w- was needing some extra help. Uh, I think she had had a, a procedure and... Um my brother Ted and my brother Ken and I were all there. And yeah, we took out we we went down the Wikiwachi in kayaks. Uh I don't know if they're sit on top or sit inside kayaks. But then uh about two years ago or three uh twenty nineteen, yeah. Twenty nineteen I bought a stand up paddle board and I don't know what turned me around around on stand up paddle boards, uh but originally, I was not into stand-up paddleboarding. Like, I saw it. I was like, oh, that's just a trendy thing. Why, why would you stand up? Man, honest to gosh, my thing was like, "If you, why would you stand up when you could sit down? And then somewhere in there, I tried it. And the thing that blew my mind is that if it's warm enough for you not to have a shirt on and to jump in the water, like stand-up paddleboarding for someone that loves to swim is absolutely one of the greatest things. Uh, I mean, I know people do it for exercise or, you, I mean, actually I like it too, cause you have a little bit better view. It's a little bit active, but like for Lake Terry or even on a river, like standup paddle boarding is so phenomenal or, you know, in the Bay area, I'll go out on a, uh, like a tidal canal and, I mean, I would, like, even to take it out, like, to do, do some kayaking, even on, like, some, like, not whitewater rafting, but, like, like that, because I just love it so much. And that's where I was, like, able to get a great deal at Costco and uh, uh, buy it from them. But, yeah, that's another boat. That's my current boat in my life. Also, yeah, like, other stuff I like that I usually would buy on Craigslist. But, yeah, those are a few of the old boats uh, from my life, uh, some, some of these old boats. Uh, thanks, everybody.